0: Tonight on Throwback Thursday as Tune FM celebrates 50 years
1: 1988
0: It's an episode all about Australia as we look back at our bicentenary celebrated throughout the year of
1: 1988. So all you media people out there, take notice. If you saw this march coming up Elizabeth Street, you'd know that this is the biggest march in this city that I can remember since the Moratorium Day.
0: This is 50 Years of Tune FM, 1988. It certainly is. And it's great to be here with you on Throwback Thursday on 106.9 Tune FM. My name is Jake. I'm hosting you as per usual. Once again, apologies that we don't have a guest on the show. It's currently a very busy time for our lecturers uh, as we head towards the exam period and into the latter half of the trimester. So hopefully we will be able to uh, get some more lecturers on once trimester two draws to a close and we start to move into uh, the 1990s and the early 2000s as well. But there's plenty to talk about today, regardless of the fact that it will just be me talking here again, uh, because we're talking about the Australian Bicentenary, celebrated in 1988. It was a year long series of events that marked 200 years since the arrival of the First Fleet of British convict ships at Sydney in 1788. The Bicentennial year marked Captain Arthur Phillips' arrival with the 11 ships of the First Fleet in Sydney Harbour in 1788 the founding of the city of Sydney and the colony of New South Wales, and so it is considered the official bicentenary year of the founding of Australia. We're not only going to be talking about uh, what actually happened in celebration of the 1988 bicentenary, but we're going to be talking a little bit about the controversy surrounding it as well, which, as you might have guessed, came from the fact that they were celebrating essentially what, uh, particularly by today's standards, is seen as an invasion and kind of... uh, glazing over the Aboriginal history that existed long before those 200 years uh, even came about. So we'll be discussing that a little bit later in the show. But of course, we will also talk about what actually happened in 1988, uh, the kinds of ways that Australia celebrated 200 years uh, since the arrival of the First Fleet. We're going to be talking about such events as Australia Live, which was a massive television special on New Year's night. There was a reenactment voyage of the First Fleet on Australia Day. Uh, World Expo 88 was held in Brisbane, which was the largest event that we held as part of these celebrations. We were lucky enough to get the World Expo to coincide with our bicentenary. Uh, There was the Oz Steam 88, which was a railway display of steam locomotives. We held the 1988 Women's Cricket World Cup. Uh, the Bicentennial Classic at the Royal Melbourne Golf Club, and so much more. We're going to go through a bunch of uh, smaller things that happened as well. But we might as well start off with some of the big events, and when we come back in the second uh, segment of today's show, we will talk a little bit about the controversy before we finish up with some of the smaller events. So we'll start with Australia Live. Australia Live was a four-hour telecast that was broadcast on the Nine Network on the 1st of January 1988 to officially open the Bicentennial Celebrations. It crossed live to over 70 locations right across the country and some overseas to try to represent a typical day in the life of the Australian people. At each of the locations, Australian television celebrities talked with everyday Australians about their experiences. The whole event was anchored by the likes of Clive James, Ray Martin and Yana Wendt uh, from the studios in Sydney. Other presenters included such famous Australians as Paul Hogan, Tony Barber, George Negus, Darren Hinch, Greg Evans, Daryl Summers and Graham Kennedy. It was meant to be, quote, a unique electronic carpet ride. The locations were as diverse as Thursday Island in Queensland, uh, the Matsuika Light Island Lighthouse in Tasmania, the Mount Lofty Fire Tower near Adelaide, King's Cross in Sydney, the Lodge in Canberra, Kakadu National Park in the Northern Territory, and the remote town of Kingunya which has a population of 6 in outback South Australia. This was uh, quite a big deal at the time. It doesn't sound like much nowadays. We have uh, television presenters that cut to different areas across the country all the time. Uh, they, they do the weather on sunrise at a different place every day or whatever they do. But um, at the time, this was a great achievement in television technology and... Um, If not just in terms of the quality of the content, but a number of crosses were made to people in remote locations from which live television had never before been broadcast. That included the Indian Pacific passenger train on its way through the middle of Australia. There was a conversation with Soviet cosmonauts who were orbiting the Earth. And perhaps one of the most outstanding achievements was a live broadcast from the Davis base in Antarctica. The telecast included pre-recorded messages from world leaders, including US President Ronald Reagan and British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, and it was simultaneously broad- broadcast on Channel 9 as well as ABC and the SBS, on Channel 4 in Britain and on the a network in the US. It ended with a rendition by Julie Anthony of the Australian National Anthem from the Old Parliament House in Canberra, with live fireworks displays from all of the Australian capital cities. Uh, the ABC later picked up the finale and then played it at close down until it began round-the-clock broadcasting in the 1990s. So uh, that was the the kickoff, the official kickoff of the, the bicentenary. Some of the other major events that took place, uh, we mentioned the First Fleet Reenactment Voyage, uh, which was also known as the Second First Fleet. They assembled a fleet of tall ships which sailed from England to Australia in an historical reenactment of the first fleet uh, that arrived in Australia in 1788. The reenactment was first conceived in 1977, and it was organised to commemorate Australia's bicentenary. Um, There was a bit of opposition and quite minimal funding from the Australian government at the time, Uh, but it attracted the support of some high-profile adventurers like Thor Heyerdahl, Alan Villiers, and Sir Edmund Hillary, as well as some former Australian political figures and the British royal family. And so it ended up coming together. Seven different ships sailed from Portsmouth in England in May of 1987 following a fleet review by Queen Elizabeth, uh, and they attempted to follow the route of the original first fleet as accurately as possible, sailing for Australia via Tenerife, Rio de Janeiro, Cape Town, and Mauritius. The initial funding ran out when the ships reached Rio and the captains planned to call off the voyage until a radiothon on Australia's Macquarie radio network raised a further $900,000 and further corporate sponsorships were secured. Uh, So it ended up reaching Australia um, and landing eventually in Sydney Harbour in that reenactment. They actually even managed to arrive on Australia Day of 1988. So I must say that is quite an achievement to reenact indeed. Now, the last of the major events that we will discuss is World Expo 88. Now, you might know that the World Expo is a a frequent event held around the world. Uh, It's basically designed to uh, show off some new technology and, and have kind of an expo of different people coming together. The previous one had been held in 1986 in Vancouver in Canada. And Brisbane managed to land World Expo 88 to coincide with the bicentenary. It was uh, it, it. came in at a cost. The fare of it came in to a cost at 625 million Australian dollars. It was the largest event of the 1988 bicentenary celebrations. Um, it attracted more than 15.7 million visitors who bought tickets worth around 175 million Australian dollars. It achieved both its economic aims and very good attendances. Uh, there were lots of uh, different uh, shows of uh, different. Uh, Things from all around the world, the fair having uh, pavilions and rides and all that sort of things, and participating nations from as far as uh, Brunei, Canada, uh, Papua New Guinea, Cyprus, the UK, Sri Lanka, Tonga, the Vatican City, uh, the Soviet Union, all displaying some of their technology and some of their wonderful advancements from around the world, uh, right on the banks of the Brisbane River during World Expo 88. So we were very lucky to receive that uh, event. It uh, was a massive event in its own right, uh, but for it to be able to celebrate our bicentenary as well uh, was was quite astounding. Uh, it was under the motto, Leisure in the Age of Technology, and uh, it's actually the last time that we've held the World Expo. Um, it's, it's kind of lost a little bit of significance at the moment, the World Expo, but um, hopefully one day uh, we will actually get to kind of see its... Um, it returned to significance again. But we're going to go to a music break just quickly uh, here on Throwback Thursday on 106.9 Tune FM. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the controversy of the bicentenary, why it was not necessarily uh, approved of as a celebration and uh, what kind of things went on to try and express those sentiments. So that will be when we come back. This is the Angels to take us to a music break on 106.9 Tune FM.
1: that's falling from.
0: That was Am I Ever Gonna See Your Face Again by The Angels, a song from 1988 here on 106.9 Tune FM. Well, we've been talking about the Australian Bicentenary because, of course, that was the the dominating event um, of 1988 here in Australia, at least. Um, and... We're going to talk a little bit now about the controversy behind the Bicentenary. The event triggered a lot of debate about Australian national identity, Aboriginal rights um, and historical interpretation and multiculturalism. Um, I think that the, the reason... Today, certainly, is quite obvious why, as the bicentenary celebrated 200 years since the arrival of the First Fleet. um, It certainly seemed to insinuate and mark that that was uh, the 200th birthday of Australia as a country, so to speak, which some argued, of course... uh, kind of washed over the tens of thousands of years of Aboriginal history that preceded that 200 years and also kind of gave celebration to um, certainly what we perceive today to be uh, a colonial invasion uh, rather than any sort of settlement over a, a legitimate uh, terra nullius or anything like that. So, of course, the bicentenary was widely reviewed as controversial. Um planning for the event raised issues of national identity, historical interpretation why were we celebrating this uh, 200th anniversary that's not it's not that uh, significant uh, when we when we consider it against the background of Aboriginal history some people wanted to remember the colonization as an invasion while other people wanted to just kind of forget about that and focus on the bicentenary as uh, historical reenactments. Um, The Uniting Church in Australia led an effort to boycott uh, the bicentenary unless Aboriginal rights were recognized. The official slogan was living together. So they tried to emphasize the theme of multiculturalism. Um, Former Prime Minister Malcolm Fraser intervened to change the motto to the Australian achievement in order to be more celebratory. But Bob Hawke would later restore the original motto in support of uh, that multicultural celebration. Um, the response from the the right wing in the country was quite loud to that movement moved by Hawke. Um, They obviously saw that we needed to be celebrating um, the 200 years of Australia, while, of course, the the argument from the other side was coming that that 200 years was actually 200 years since an invasion, and, of course, uh, kind of whitewashing over um, the far more significant Aboriginal history that existed before that. Um, The Institute of Public Affairs suggested that uh, the, tradition, the tradition had been sacrificed to appease a minority, so it began to get very, very uh, controversial. The media slinging stones at one another and uh, political parties doing the same. Historian Geoffrey Blaney claimed that the bicentenary was attempting to rewrite the British out of the history of Australia. There was a protest planned immediately after uh, the 1982 Commonwealth Games protests. In case you don't know, there were protests against us holding the 1982 Commonwealth Games. On the 26th of January 1988, more than 40,000 people, including Indigenous Australians from across the country, staged the largest march in Sydney since the early 1970s with the Vietnam moratorium demonstrations. The protesters marched through Sydney chanting, the land rights ending at Hyde Park, where several prominent Aboriginal leaders and activists spoke, among them uh, Gary Foley. Demonstrations were also held in other cities and towns, including in Canberra. And this was part of a wider Bicentennial boycott movement, which started in the lead up to the Bicentennial. When it was revealed during the year that attendances at Bicentennial events were actually below expectations because of that, claims were made that it was due to the public boycotting the events and the Bicentennial In general so um, they actually were rather successful attendance was below average um, or below what was expected of um, such events so of course as you can see and and certainly as we look back on it today it is rather a a controversial concept the bicentennial to be celebrating the 200 years since the arrival of the first fleet without at least um, acknowledging uh, the tens of thousands of years of history that came before it Um, But it did have a bit of an impact on the Bicentenary indeed. And um, I'd love to know your thoughts. Send us a message on TuneFM 106.9. Looking back now as we are 30-something years uh, since the Bicentenary. I can't do the maths on the top of my head while I'm in front of a microphone. Um, Looking back on it, what what should have been done better? And um, was it appropriate to be celebrating the Bicentenary? Um, I'd certainly be interested to hear your thoughts when we come back we're going to finish our show all about the bicentenary by talking about some of the other uh, more smaller events that uh, took place as uh, part of the the Australian bicentenary Um, and that will come up right after this song this is another song from 1988 you're listening to 106.9 Tune FM
1: Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you I love your precious heart. I I was standing, you were there to welcome.
0: That was In Excess with Never Tear Us Apart. You're listening to Throwback Thursday on 106.9 Tune FM, where we're discussing the Australian Bicentenary. So we've talked about some of the major events uh, that happened in the Australian Bicentenary. And we've talked about the controversy behind the event in the first place. We're going to talk about some of the other events that took place as part of the Australian Bicentenary um they we officially got our floral emblem in 1988 it was declared to be the golden wattle um it also marked the completion of many unique development projects the new parliament house was opened the uh, the the lovely new parliament house that we have today officially opening on the 9th of May in 1988 the Bicentennial National Trail, which is a trail that you can hike or uh, or horse ride or bike or whatever you want to do, that runs all the way from Cooktown in Far North Queensland right down into Victoria. That was officially opened in 1988. Uh of co- as well as that. Uh, Darling Harbour in Sydney, that precinct was completed and opened. The Sydney Football Stadium, which of course is no longer standing as it is set to be rebuilt, um, that was opened in 1988. Um, the Aboriginal Memorial, uh, one of Australia's most significant artworks commemorating Indigenous Australians who died as a result of European settlement, um, that was opened in 88. Other events included the Bicentennial Beacons, which were a series of bonfires lit all around Australia. And there was a celebration featuring motorcycle riders from around Australia held in Canberra during the year. Um, Other events, um, all Australian school children who were in school in 1988 were presented with a Bicentennial Heritage Medallion. Maybe you still have one if you were in school in 1988. Uh, There was an issue by the New South Wales Department of Motor Transport of over 160,000 commemorative number plates. Um, There was different... Locomotives were painted in green and gold liveries. We had a hot air balloon race. Um, there was a. F- the Expo dollars um, were issued by various Australian states in several different denominations. The opening ceremony of the 16th World Scout Jamboree uh, took place at midnight on the 31st of December 1987 to become the first uh, official event of Australia's bicentenary. But to look a little bit deeper into some things that happened, uh, we had Oz Steam 88 uh, which took place in Melbourne. It featured many steam locomotives from New South Wales, Victoria, and also from England to celebrate the history of uh, rail and its significance to Australia's industrial history. It took place at the Spencer Street station in Melbourne during October, and it also included tours on Victorian rail lines involving uh, the participating trains. We hosted the 1988 Women's Cricket World Cup right here in Australia uh, to celebrate our bicentenary. It was organised by the International Women's Cricket Council. They agreed to uh, give us that World Cup. There were games played in Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne and Perth. Um, at several different grounds in Melbourne in particular, uh, with squads from Australia as the hosts, uh, England, Ireland, the Netherlands, and New Zealand also taking part. And as a matter of of fact, Australia would win that World Cup uh, over England in the final, uh, which was a a wonderful achievement as well. And the Johnny Walker Australian Classic, speaking of sports, uh, was a PGA Tour of Australia, Uh, It was a golf tournament that uh, was held specifically to celebrate the Bicentenary. It has been held multiple times since at the Royal Melbourne Golf Club in Melbourne, except uh, uh, yes, at the Royal Melbourne Golf Club, sorry. Um, Prize money was 1.5 million Australian dollars. And as a matter of fact, uh, it was won by an Australian. Uh, It was won by Peter Senior with a runner-up being a certain Greg Norman, for you uh, golf fans, I'm sure you know of Greg Norman. Um, so that was uh, quite a, an achievement. Uh, they but they are both taking out some, some wonderful prize money in uh, what was the first uh, Johnny Walker Australian Classic on the PGA Tour. So the Australian Bicentenary, a very, very big event indeed. Uh, and whether or not you are, uh, on the side of it having been held, or if you are uh, perhaps more on the side of those who chose to boycott the event, uh, it certainly dominated proceedings here in Australia during 1988. And We'd certainly love to hear your thoughts or your memories of the 1988 bicentenary. Uh, let us know, send us a message on our Facebook page at TuneFM106.9. We'd love to have you join the conversation. Don't forget to join us next week on Throwback Thursday. We're moving on to the year 1989 as we round out the 80s. We're absolutely flying through uh the years on this week by week year by year look through tune fm's history so join us five o'clock next thursday as we move on to 1989 in the meantime i will leave you back to the music up next we have falling like the stars by james arthur here on your home of student-powered radio for the last 50 years